recorded like a full episode yet, but welcome to the Pastel Podcast. Uh, my name is Billy Sanga, and I am here with my friend Miranda. So if you want to introduce yourself super quickly, go for it. Hi, my name is Miranda. I am soon to be licensed as an attorney in the state of Texas and New Mexico. Yes. Um, so that's super exciting. And so today's episode is going to be focusing a lot on... Um, the choices we've made professionally to pursue careers in what would be considered um, inherently corrupt and just fundamentally um, unreformable, I guess, uh, institutions. And so for me, that's education. I'm currently a high school teacher. And um, as you shared, you're pra you finished law school and now you're in the process of becoming um, an attorney or you already are an attorney. I'm in the process of becoming one. I have passed the bar exam. So my scores are in order. I'm just kind of finishing up the last few uh, paperwork steps to make sure I'm finalized with the states. Okay, cool. So similarly, I'm technically, I've been teaching for a while, but like there's that whole credential process, which I guess is like my equivalent of what you're explaining. Um, but yeah, so people are pretty critical of both of these fields. I think um, you could throw like pursuing political science or wanting to pursue public office to also fall into that category. Like, why would you want to knowing um, how rigged it is or how corrupt it is? Um, there's obviously like historical context of things being put into law to make it difficult for marginalized communities to get resources or to move ahead in life. Um, and so when you hear that or even your own sentiments about how inherently corrupt the field you're entering is, how do you typically respond to that? Have your feelings changed over time? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so the thing is, is I went into law school with like the typical like mentality about lawyers that everyone has, like a bunch of lawyer jokes, uh, Watergate, like mm -hmm. lawyers are inherently corrupt, like it's super easy to fall victim to corruption. And then as I went through law school, I was like, no, lawyers aren't inherently corrupt, like it's just kind of like a bad stigma. And now I've graduated, I'm like, no, lawyers can be pretty inherently corrupt, like, <laughs> not because, like, I know anyone that's corrupt, because, like, I think everyone around me is great, but that's kind of the Kool-Aid you drink whenever you, like, enter a field like this, because, like, you meet people who aren't, like, rubbing their hands together and twisting their mustache over, like, piles and piles of money. You meet people who are parents and who have kids and who just want to, like, go to work and go home, but, um, no, I've definitely learn that it's easy to take like the cheap way out mm -hmm. and like that's not always who you're gonna see and it's not gonna you're not gonna like run into someone who's just like planning on like slacking off and cheating their clients and like not work it's they're tired and their kids are angry and their kids are hungry and they're gonna take the easy way out because it's offered to them and they're gonna take it mm. yeah I definitely see more about like the sleazy lawyer trope more so than like this is an occupation that people use to sustain their lifestyle and their family right. um, and like for several people I'm sure that it's a a form of activism um to make change like genuinely make change I think teachers similarly get misinterpreted as like you just want to take the summer off and you want to get your benefits and they completely dismiss how difficult and challenging it is to become a teacher um or a lawyer or attorney and they think like you did it for the money you did it for the for the benefits in the summer vacation and I'm like Oh my goodness, like, I would I not actively do this to myself unless it yeah. was because I thought that the field really, really mattered to me. I definitely have heard the stereotype that, like, teachers are kind of lazy and they want to just, like, 
basically like be moms, like professional moms and like kind of teach in their downtime basically. And I'm like, yo, (laughs) have you met a teacher? Like, honestly. And like, we end up becoming the parents without any intention or desire to, to want to police or parent our, our students. And that ends up happening anyway. So I feel like if it's weird how people have this limited understanding that like, oh, the school system's messed up or like the justice system's messed up and the people in it are awful people. And I'm like, you're half right. Like there's people who are willingly there and it's not for the benefits. It's not for the title or the money. And so it's interesting that they, they're so secure in their negative perceptions of the field, but then they don't have anything factual to base their perceptions of the people within that field in. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, that's weird. Go ahead and criticize the system, but you can't, I mean, like, something that we can probably both understand and talk about is, like, the school-to-prison pipeline. Yeah. Because it's, like, it's there. It's absolutely there, and it's systematic, but you're not sitting there rubbing your hands, like, I can't wait for this kid to go to prison, and I'm not sitting here, like, rubbing my hand, like, can't wait to arrest this kid for truancy. Yeah. But, like, it is part of the system that we work in. Yeah. And that's, that's, it's, it's also disheartening because knowing how challenging both of these jobs can be to know that people are, like, ready for you to reveal yourself to be a villain it's 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 extra disheartening and I think um part of your time in school was like during the pandemic so you were doing this work really grueling work over over zoom and studying over zoom and me having to teach and limit my qualifications as an educator to just thrive in like a virtual setting like for people to be like yeah you're you're actively making zoom school even harder and you want these kids to suffer behind their screen much work you know how hard it is you're signing too much it's like I don't want to grade this. They don't want to do it. Like, yeah. Um, and then the decisions that are made like well above our pay grades. Um, have you come across people who are more critical of your, of your professional decisions or people who are more supportive? So it depends on if they're willing to like, listen, Mm. like if they're willing to like, I, I assume you mean like my like choice to be a lawyer or like choice. Do you mean choices that I make as a lawyer? Um, I guess we can start with when you, when you made it known that that was a career you were pursuing and an education you were pursuing. And then I guess from there, whether or not people have been like, that's not something I agree with that you did as right. someone already in that field. Yeah. So obviously my mom was thrilled. <laughs> um, <Yes. no. laughs> Yeah, my mom was thrilled, so, like, I didn't really have much resistance from my family, you know, like, I got, like, the typical lawyer jokes, like, oh, so you can get me out of prison now, I'm like, no, (laughs) you're you're gonna sit there if you do something wrong, like, I can't just get you out, Um, but then I did have a lot of people kind of question, like, a, a really common thing is to go to a bar, you mentioned that you're a lawyer, or a law student even, and they'll be like, oh, well, now let's talk about, like, how corrupt the prison system is, and it's, like, my dude, I have, like, 10 pages of contracts reading, like, 10 pages of real property, I don't, like, I'm, you're not about to, like, change my mind, like, I can't change this, like, right now, and, like, you're not about to say an argument that I haven't heard before, because, like, lawyers are very, at least my law school, I I can't speak for every law school, but my law school was very self-aware of, what's going on. My capstone class was in the problems with the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand the problems, but it's also like, we can't just say, we can't prosecute anyone for doing anything wrong because sometimes we make the wrong call. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and I think most, for the most part, like, I worked in a DA's office. I don't think that DA's sit there and, again, rub their little hands together and 
twizzle their mustaches, like trying to put people away. Like, you know, they see someone who did something wrong. And I think what makes a good attorney versus a great attorney is like trying to understand why they did that and trying to like fix it versus just like recommending the top of their sentence. Right. Yeah. I think that, that ties into like restorative justice practices. Like there are philosophies and professors and institutions and agencies and, you know, like smaller forms of government are easier to make change within like local, obviously in terms of not, not Supreme court, not speaking on that, but, um, I think people, people people doubt the work that's already being done and the philosophies that already exist because if someone were to come to either of us and be like here's something that everyone agrees upon is bad and I'm like well then don't present it to me like it's new information I agree I agree that this is bad if I could wave my magic wand and make sure that every prosecutor like sought out reformative justice instead of like restitution then yeah, like I would do it. Like that would be the rule of the game. Like no one goes to prison. Like everyone goes through a program that fixes their behavior, but like yeah. sometimes it just doesn't work. Like you have people who don't want to get better or like they've committed like a particularly heinous crime that community service isn't going to fix, you know, like it's not right. going to like restore, like we have six like purposes of punishment in the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. And, like, one of them is, of course, like, re- rehabilitation, become a better member of society. But some of them are um, making up for the victim. Like, how are you going to, like, make the victim whole? Mm-hmm. You know, and, like, that person, it, it could have been your girlfriend or your boyfriend that you were beating up. Like, them saying sorry to you and doing some community service, it's not going to feel fair to you. So, like, right. or maybe it will. Like, I don't know. But I can understand why, like, people, like, wouldn't feel like, that person who hurt them over and over and over again doesn't go to prison for at least a little bit, you know, like they need like some space or right like, an assurance that they're not out to get them anymore. So it's like, I, like I can see both sides and yeah, I would love for there to be the perfect remedy for every crime you could do that would make you a better person and make you like back to being a productive member of society. Mm-hmm. But sometimes like, it's like, like, at what point are we willing to, like, sacrifice, like, the victim's well-being and, like, mental state for, like, a potential abuser, you know? Yeah, and it's, like, it's too, it's too nuanced to discuss at a bar within 20 minutes of someone finding out what your career is, and I'm, like, please, like, let me turn it off. Yeah, here's my assigned reading for the semester. (laughs) so that way we can like be on the same page and I don't have to explain like this article that I read (laughs) yeah and it's like it's small talk for them it's a way to like tout their knowledge for them but it's like it's something that like I'm I'm constantly thinking about like if we have a student on the verge of expulsion and like he has um you know like mental health concerns that you know it, it cause certain behaviors and he's like the fact that people like he's pretty likely to end up in a, like a like a you know juvenile hall or he's going to you know be the type of student who ends up going to prison one day like students are perceived that way unfortunately and i have been around adults who are ready to expel a student or suspend a student because it's an easier kind of like get yeah. them out of the room like you know kill the spider rather than like remove it from the situation and put it in an environment where like the spider belongs if you perceive it as a pest um, it is super nuanced, and I don't want to actively think about that on my day off, one. Secondly, yeah. like, I want to be sustainable to do this long-term and to, like, do the work that I want to do long-term. 
Um, and there are schools and there are school districts that are that are flipping their implementation of behavior management of, you know, the no tolerance policy is also needs to be pretty nuanced because you can't you can't have a one size fits all punishment without understanding the dynamics of a student or a situation. Um, the way that like young male students of color who have special needs are to say are um, expelled and suspended at like ridiculously higher oh, rates. Yeah. Um, and they're also more likely to be incarcerated and things like that. Like, I'm thinking about that on my weekends. <laughs> like, I don't need to be thinking about that in casual interactions. So how do you, how do you reconcile knowing that about what field you're in, but also taking time to not feel like the guilt or to sustain yourself long-term and like do other things and turn your brain off from like lawyer brain? So it, it is hard to like turn off lawyer brain, but basically like what I've done so far in like my month of working as like a law clerk, not even a full attorney is I just, unless I have to work at home, like I have to get something in by a deadline, like I don't do it. Mm-hmm. And like, I let my friends like ask me questions about law because usually like they want to know like, so if you're smoking a cigarette and you throw it in a pile of beer and then it catches on fire is that arson or is that an, like you know they they want to know like <laughs> yeah more interesting questions than what I could ever come up with so like I'll entertain those thoughts and I'll like kind of talk through it and like work through my legal analysis of it mm-hmm. and then other than that like I go home and I watch TikTok and I work out and I listen to loud like rap music you know like I'm not here I like I just really try not to like focus on it too much you know like I think about what I really like about my firm and like what we do for people and like our philosophy on helping people Hmm. and it's like to get them out of the lawsuit like for as cheap and as good of an outcome as possible like we're not here to like be like oh well the principle of the matter is this like right you're here to like get you on with your life right so like I just try and live by that too is like just get on with my life Mm-hmm. like do what I can do but if there's nothing else I can do for the situation then you know kind of volley it over to the other side and see what they're going to come back with yeah for sure that's fair enough um what would you say is the most valuable thing you learned either through your formal education or maybe just something that you can link back to law as like oh this is something I'm going to keep in mind for my practice or these words are going to stay with me for a while or this reading is going to stay with me for a while So at the end of every semester, our law professors will sit down and, you know, they'll they'll wrap up their last lesson, but they'll usually give us like a little bit of like life advice. Mm -hmm. And most of the life advice can really be like distilled down to be selective with the Kool-Aid that you drink. Mm, Okay. Like you're going to drink some of the Kool-Aid. Like I didn't wear suits for fun before I started (laughs) law school. And I'm like, I feel powerful in a suit. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's, like, absolutely drinking the Kool-Aid. So, like, you know, take pride in your appearance because your clients deserve to be represented by someone who's proud of who they are and proud of who, of how they look. Mm -hmm. Like, you should come to work, like, looking like a professional Mm -hmm. because they deserve to, like, feel comfortable in how you present yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, you should work hard, but you should play hard. And you should become one with, like, the office book club and workout groups. Mm -hmm. But like you need to like be careful because when you take pride in your appearance, like you can be condescending of people who don't take as much time at their appearance Mm -hmm. or you could work so hard that you exhaust yourself to the point of desperation 
that you start turning to drugs for like help to keep going late into the night mm-hmm. because like you're so like in your own head about like oh I have to work hard I have to play hard when it's like no you don't like you can go home like at some point like your client deserves someone who's well rested right someone who's prepared you know like yeah. And that's uh, awesome that was it was it your professors just having kind of an end of semester just session to talk about like the humanity of you guys yeah that's nice that's that's unfortunately pretty rare I feel like there's a lot of um stories I've heard where it's very much like data driven through your expectations as a student or as a lawyer as a professional and like you don't need to touch on mental health or boundary setting or personal fulfillment so for yeah. to just be super candid and say hey you know opt out of things and take care of yourself and be the best person because your clients deserve a healthy, well-rested, well-fed, yeah. uh, happy person to be representing Definitely them. something that was really unusual. And it was, it's kind of like a backhanded thing because they'll say that and then they'll give you 60 pages of reading to do for the next class in that one class. And you're like, <laughs> all right, well, fuck me in my sleep, I guess. Sorry for my profanity, but no, I mean, like you're definitely talking out of both sides of their mouth and it really is about finding that balance and I think that is the most valuable lesson is everyone's like oh work-life balance I'm like no 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 work-life balance mm-hmm. because yes like there are nights that I was up late trying to read a case but I came up with this rule and it served me very well that if I don't know it by 11:30 at night I don't know it and I won't know it like go to bed get seven hours of sleep Cause at 1130, I have enough time to hop in the shower and get in bed, get seven hours of sleep to be awake by seven o'clock. And if nothing else, like I've slept well, because I'm not going to be ready. I might as well have some sleep and like be up in time for a little bit of breakfast, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's like such a, such a basic need. Like, it's not even like you're, you're setting yourself up it with an unreasonable expectation for yourself or your needs. It's like the bare minimum to take care of yourself. It makes me think of this. Um, I think it's a post by, I think the username is like Adam JK on Instagram, but he, he has this like quote. That's like, um, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life, but he crosses it out and says, you'll actually like have no concept of boundaries and you'll take everything really personally. Um, and that's super real. Like this like idea that you're super committed to a really intense field or a job that's uh, noble and admirable. And if you want to prove that you need to be um, participating in this like burnout culture. And so when you don't do that, it means you're not working as hard. You're not as committed. So like, how do you handle the days where you feel yourself um, feeling resentful towards your decision to be pursuing this field or to have majored in this? Like, what do you do when you're like, oh, I should have, like, just majored in business, or I should have done something more self-serving. Like, do you ever have those days, and how do you handle when those feelings start creeping in? I mean, I can't say I've really had those days, to be completely honest. I have had days where I was like, man, I wish I spent more time in different jobs, but I really think that this is, like, this is, like, what I'm gonna do. Like, this is, mm-hmm. you believe in astrology at all, and I know that you, <laughs> <laughs> you Oh, it made its way into the podcast. I was hoping it would. My North Node is in Libra, so it's like, I need to, like, for me to be a happy person, I need to advocate for other people. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, according to the stars, like, this is all I could ever do, and this isn't what I started college to do. I was going to be a doctor, and then I was going to be a psychologist, and then I was going to be a psychiatrist, and then I was going to be an industrial organizational psychologist, mm-hmm. and then finally I was like, I'm going to take the bar, and I'm going to be a lawyer, and day one, I was like, there's nothing I could do and be this happy doing. Nice. But I will say that there are days where I'm like, I should have studied harder or I should have tried more in school. Mm. 
and like I didn't slack off but I definitely didn't kill myself to get assignments done like if it wasn't done it wasn't done and I'm turning in what I've got right but what I do in those moments is like I just keep my head down and work because I'll get an assignment I'm like I don't know anything about this like I wish I knew more I don't I should have taken on more internships I should have worked harder Mm -hmm. but I just keep working on it and keep chewing on it and eventually like even if there's never like an aha moment I crap out something that's like it looks good enough and I can hand it to my boss and say like Mm -hmm. this is what I could come up with and he'll say like okay this is pretty good like I can see that you have like a good base for it Mm -hmm. but like let's work on it and I think like I can attribute that to like a really healthy work environment that I'm in where Mm -hmm. they've said like they've told me we're not expecting to turn profit on you anytime soon like we're just here to make you a good attorney so like I so refreshing (laughs) like I haven't had any moment yet where I'm just like overwhelmed and I'm like I hate my job and I hate my life like I love my job so much and like I wish like everyone could like wake up and say like I love my job so yeah I think that is super refreshing and I'm really glad that you're having that experience. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate. It's, it's not that rare, thankfully for me either. Like recognizing how flawed and challenging it is. Um, I, I unfortunately am a little bit on the different end with like, I do have people being like, are you sure you want to do this like long-term like teaching is hard and you don't make that much money. And there's like this and that that flawed with it. Um, but similar, like the second I started doing it and I made that initial decision to teach, I was like, okay, at least this is, like, set aside for, like, my entire life. I have figured this part of my life out, and that's, like, what I want to do forever. Haven't figured out a whole lot of other things, like, where I want to live or anything like that. Um, I was, like, no matter what, like, my identity is very much rooted in education and in in being um, someone who provides accessible knowledge to empower younger people. Um, Similarly, like, even the careers that you were thinking of delving into, like, psychiatrist and doctor that's still in the service of other people that's still advocating for people's health or rights so I don't know if Capricorns are stereotypical I feel like they're more capitalistic and entrepreneurial and I I feel icky kind of doing that um to my parents dismay because they're like this wasn't in the stars for you and we're like super Indian and astrology based so love color parent things I was like my goodness (laughs) honestly but um that's that's really great to hear so I'm on that note, since you've been talking more so on, like, you never lost sight of your desire and passion, you just were more discussing, like, the workload and potentially pushing yourself harder or things like that, so how, how did you work towards your goals and stick to that with a pandemic going on, because that's extra challenging, so, like, how did you, how did you power through that? So, I'm not gonna sit here and say, like, I powered through very well. Mm. I'm not going to be like, oh yeah, I woke up every day and studied for eight hours a day. Like <laughs> the way that our breaks, our, our study breaks broke down because usually the bar exam is at the end of July. Mm-hmm. Well, in the end of July, Texas was on fire with COVID. It still is, let's mm-hmm. be honest. But we just didn't have the infrastructure set up and they needed more time to kind of figure out how they were going to administer this test with 400 kids in the same room for three days straight. And, um, they moved the July bar exam for us to September. And so we had more time to study than anyone's ever had to study for the bar before on a traditional study timeline. Cause usually you study from the end of May when you graduate till the end of July, when you take the bar. Well, I had until like mid May because all of our, all of my finals are done pretty early mm-hmm. until mid September. 
So I only had to study four hours a day where you usually have to study eight. And even then I could not get myself to study sometimes. And there are some days that I just like woke up and I was like, literally why bother? Like (laughs) why bother? Like if we make it out of this alive, like we're all just going to like get COVID and die. Like they don't care. (laughs) I mean, I just like, I was, it was so dark sometimes. And like every day, like the board of law examiners had like a different story for us, like what the plan was. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, like, we wanted to just get, like, diploma privilege, which is, like, you can practice without taking the bar exam. Mm -hmm. We just wanted that for, like, a couple of years until we had the chance to take a bar in, like, a safer environment. And they were, like, no, we're not going to do that because we don't think, like, the people of Texas are comfortable with that. And we're, like, (laughs) (laughs) okay, like, you know, so, like, we're, we're caught between a rock and a hard place because, like, I get it. You want to make sure your lawyers are competent. Mm Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I don't want to get COVID just to prove that to you. Exactly. I don't want to give my mom and my aunt COVID to prove it to you. So it's like. That's wild that they would, that they would be so, like, unwavering in that. Because with credentialing in California, at least, I took my last credentialing test the day of the lockdown. Like, I think I took it on, like, March 13th. And, like, the next day, the country was just closed. And I was like, whoa, I, like, barely made it out. But they, I think in the past few months, they're like, if you weren't able to take your C-sets within that time period, we're going to give you like like a preliminary kind of like pandemic credential that's like on hold until you can actually like meet your requirements. I'm obviously like not all 50 states are on the same page about literally anything, but I'm, if you want people to like serve the state of Texas and like be there for a while, I don't know why their health would be risked and they're advocating for something that like puts them in service sooner. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it's definitely, it was definitely a very, like, hot topic for a good long while while we're trying to study for the exams and just, like, get really, like, mixed messages from, like, mm-hmm. our future career oversight boards. So it was definitely, like, hard to care sometimes. Like, my mom finally, like, I was, I was really lucky because I got to live with my mom during this, and my mom's a lot of things, but, like, she's very militant about studying. Mm-hmm which, like, I, I really needed, like, I needed, like, the middle school, like, do your homework before dinner brigade, and she really helped me, and she was, like, you know, like, you don't need to read your emails until after you're done studying for the day, because anytime you open it and you read, like, whatever, like, flaming trash bin that came <laughs> along your way, like, you're, you're out for the day, you're out of commission, like, you're distressed, you're upset, you're in a bad mood, and you haven't gotten any studying done, so if you want to keep up with what's going on, you should do your studying because then you're upset and depressed, but at least you've got your studying done for the day. Oh my goodness. Is she a Capricorn? My goodness. She's a Virgo. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oof, I should have guessed that. I mean, that's awesome though. Yeah. Uh, We both got lucky in the sense that we got to be home for like a little bit and like the benefits of like that and then be like, okay, now I got to go be a professional and be on my own for real, for real. Um, That's that's awesome. That makes sense. Um, So I, for... Parting words, what would you say to someone who is either thinking of or currently in, even with the pandemic going on, uh, currently in law school and maybe having a hard time staying motivated or um, still pursuing that if they're like in the application phase? I mean, good luck to you, little dude. Like, (laughs) Like, you are the wind beneath my wings. Like, I cannot wait to like grab a hold of you like once you graduate and just like take you running like 
I'm gonna treat you so special because like you went through it like I I some like I managed to kind of squeeze out of the last hard parts of it because I was already working an externship my last semester instead of really taking classes so I I lucked out in that way and our bar prep course was all online and like at no point were we ever going to be in person Mm -hmm. So, like, I really lucked out in that the whole world locked down the same summer that I was supposed to be locked down. Oh, yeah. So, you were, like, forced to be in the environment that you would have been in anyways. Yeah. So, it's, like, you know, like, it's, this is obviously horrible, but as far as timing, like, I I was really, really very fortunate Mm -hmm. in, like, where this hit. So, for the people who are just starting their law journey or in the middle of it, like, help me out, dude. Like, let's, like, go through it. Understand that it's bullshit like, how many hoops there are to jump through, because it costs, like, $3,000 to study for the bar exam, plus whatever living expenses, like, you have to give up or take on debt for, because you should be studying eight hours a day. Like, it's a huge block at the end of already an expensive and hard road. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, come out of it with all the battle scores it's going to give you, Mm -hmm. and, like, take on that burden, and then make it better for the people after you. Like, I know a lot of the people on, like, during law Twitter, whenever all the questions were coming around, like, is there going to be a bar exam? Should there be a bar exam? A lot of older graduates were like, no, I don't think there should be a bar exam. Like, I think you should move on. But it was, like, the more recent grads that were like, I think you should have to take the bar exam. It's like, I understand. (laughs) Like, it's awful. It sucks. And, like, you want me to have to go through it, too, because you did... And it'd really suck for the class right under you to, like, no longer have to take the bar exam. But I didn't ask to take the bar exam during the pandemic. I want to take the bar exam. I want to prove that I deserve to be an attorney. Mm -hmm. But, like, I didn't ask for this to be during a pandemic. So, you know, I just, I really want to say, like, if you feel like you're being treated unfairly, like, you are. But, like, someday you can treat someone better than you were treated. Yeah. You know, (laughs) like, that's all we can do right now is, like, come out of this with more empathy than the people before us had. Yeah, it's it's one thousand percent a huge test of character to be like, who did you become as a result of the pandemic's challenges? Like, did you become resentful and did you want people to struggle like you did, or were you like, whoa, I hope no one ever feels like this again? What can I do to yeah. help? Yeah, and like you know, I was extremely extremely lucky. Like, I got to live at home mm-hmm. for five months, and my mom paid for my living expenses, and like my like lone stressor in the day was like, am I going to get to take this exam that I'm completely prepared for? You know, like (laughs) I was extremely, extremely privileged, but I know a lot of people who went through some really horrible things. Like they lost family members. They had to take on like side jobs where they were trying to studying for the bar. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like they had to go through some horrible things and I'm like, man, that really sucks. And I wish you didn't have to go through that where I could be like, well, I didn't have a problem with it. So I don't know why you are having a problem with it. I'm like, no, like, this sucks, and... Like, that would be very, it. like, straight white man of you to say that, too. It's just, like... Well, I know, like, the only thing missing from that is, like, that I'm a female, not a man, so I gotta, like, walk that line, like, carefully anyways. Fair, very fair. Um, okay, last question before I, I end the episode. Um, what is something you want your clients to say about you, like, 20 years from now? If you represented someone... Um, for a while, like, let's just say you've already been in the field for a bit, and then, like, 20 years in the future, what would you want someone who was protected and defended and represented by you to say about you? Just gassing up egos right now to close it out. I know. 
I mean, I want to, I want them to say, like, I want them to say a lot of things, but I want it to, like, boil down to, like, she, like, took care of me. Like, she wasn't after my money, like, she took care of me, and, like, like, we take an oath to zealously uphold the interest of our clients, and, like, I'm not talking about, like, your monetary interest, I'm not talking about whatever, like, I made sure that, like, your horrible divorce was bearable, and, like, both parties made it out alive, and, like, minimal bloodshed, the kids aren't traumatized, you know, like, trying to just make it, like, because no one, no one's having, in the middle of a lawsuit and having a good day, like, I don't care how long you've been in the lawsuit, you're not like, oh, it's Tuesday, three years into my lawsuit, yeah, (laughs) you know, no one's like, no one's having a good time when they're going through a lawsuit, so, like, if I can do anything for my clients that makes them more okay, and that's great. If that's, like, they're the kind of client that just wants me to, like, tell them when they have to show up for a hearing and they don't want to know anything other than that, I want to do that for them. If they're the kind of client that wants to know, like, day by day, you know, I'm not going to tell them day by day, but I'll tell them, like, week by week or, like, you know, we can figure out, like, month-to-month updates, just something so that they feel, like, more comfortable with what's going on. Um, If they feel like the other side's, like, really trying to give them the runaround, like, they feel like I went to bat for them and I got them the best deal that I could. You know, because, like, really, like, a good negotiation is, like, you both walk away feeling like you got screwed. Like, that's a that's the sign of a good negotiation. Because mm-hmm. neither one of you got what you wanted, but, like, you found something in between. Mm-hmm. But, like, I just want my client to know, like, I never, like, slacked off for them. Like, I never took an easy negotiation because it would just, like, get it off my plate faster. Like, I got them what I could and take care of them at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. That's... That's super valid. I think that's that's a good thing to to leave on. If, if you're listening to this, all good teachers and all good lawyers want to do is take care of you. That's all. Yeah. That's all we want you to say about us twenty years from now. So if you are pursuing that career, either career, if you have questions, um, just keep replaying this episode, the entire thing. Um, but thank you so much, Miranda, for being here. I really oh, appreciate thank you it. for having me. This was super fun. Awesome.